Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Simply reviewing, if you remember we said this concerning growing up spiritually, that God orchestrated it a particular way, put into practice a system that created structure within the body of Christ. And in Ephesians chapter 4, he says that Jesus gave gifts unto men, some apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors, for the perfecting or the maturing of the saint to do work of ministry, or in other words, helping us find our purpose. And therefore, that purpose, that work that we grow into, step into, begins to edify, build, and grow the church, right? And so that is what our objective is, is to purpose to grow and learn how God wants us to grow. But we also said this, or just kind of said, wouldn't it be significant if the church came into church with the idea that this is a time for me to grow? Therefore, I'm purposing to come focused, I'm coming ready, I'm coming with ears open, and therefore, I am ready to grow every time I come into the house of the Lord. Amen? Come on, how many times do we do that? Either that or sometimes we sit there in the seat and we think, well, this message isn't what I wanted to hear today. You're talking about this and I really needed to hear about this. If we have ears to hear, the Spirit of God will speak to us exactly what we need to have heard, even if it's on something that we think is insignificant to what we're needing to be talked to about, right? Coming with this idea that I'm coming to grow, I'm coming to learn. And how many of you know that when we come to church, if we have the ears to hear and the hearts to be teachable in the heart of God or before God, how many of you know that sometimes that stretches you, right? Have you ever been to church where it stretches you? Well, I personally like being in those environments where it stretches me. Sometimes, you know, it might feel like it's stepping on your toes, but it's simply God is wanting us to grow. He's wanting us to stretch. He's wanting us to purpose to obtain more for what he desires for us to obtain, right? Amen. And then we also said this in regards to growing spiritually. He said this, that he wants us to begin to mature in some things. And for that matter, if you recall, many times we think that maturity or spiritually growing or maturing looks a certain way, right? We come to church, want church to look a certain way and say, this is what it means to be matured. In fact, we said that uh, uh, Paul said he spoke to the church of Corinth and says, I came to speak to you as spirituals or mature people, but you're merely babies. You're spiritual babies, right? But if we look at the church of Corinth, they were one of the greatest churches used in the gifts of the Spirit. And sometimes we think, well, if we're used by the gifts of the Spirit or those are the things that are in operation within the church, that's the signs of spiritual maturity. But Paul said those things are happening in your church, but you're spiritual babies, right? Come on, can I get an amen in here? Amen. In fact, for that matter, he said this in Ephesians chapter 4. He said, these are the signs, or he says, to grow up and be no more children tossed to and fro, but coming to the measure and the stature of the image of Christ. Therefore, our goal, our measure, is to become like Jesus. Right? Not just doing certain things or being a part of a group that does certain things, but to be like Jesus. And so, for that matter, if you're really growing spiritually or maturing spiritually, it's not about a gathering of people coming together per se, but it's about you as an individual going out into the highways and the byways and being like Jesus. 
Rather than coming to church and saying, I want it to look like this. Why don't you go out there and do it out there and start loving on people and allow God to use you out there and God will draw people into the church because of what you're being Christ-like out there. Does that make sense? Amen. The measure and the stature of being fully matured is to try to be like Jesus. Amen. And so as we're growing and developing in this maturity in Christ, we can begin to then begin to identify some areas in our life that are immature, if you will, right? And so as we grow and we mature, we become more dependent upon God. What does it mean to live a life of faith, trusting God in every area of our lives? And so really that's the big question. When it comes to the affairs of your life, when it comes to situations in in your life, do you truly trust God in that event? When it comes to that particular area in your life, do you accept what the Word of God says about it? And therefore, I believe it wholeheartedly, unabandonedly, and therefore, not having any wavering moments. Well, obviously, some of us in certain areas, we struggle here and there. So that just identifies that there's areas of growth, right? And all of us are growing. But then we also said this in identifying some of those areas of growth. Some of those areas also have to do with the areas in the relationships that we keep, right? We said that the marks, using the example of Jesus, there was marks of Jesus' spiritual maturity as though he was about the Father's business. And so there are marks in our life that begin to identify, are we growing up in the things of God? Are we growing up spiritually? But he also says this, Paul says this, mark those that are among you that are not obeying or adhering to the word of God or to the epistles in which we've given to you. So in other words, he said this, there are those individuals within your life that aren't healthy for you. Therefore, mark them so that that they don't lead you astray or get you into an unhealthy place spiritually. Come on, does that make sense? And so therefore, as we begin to grow and mature spiritually, we begin to, if I could say it this way, we identify falseness in our life or areas that are lacking in faith, right? How many of you can identify there's things in your life where you thought you were in a position of faith and you got down the road and you think, you know what, I wasn't in faith at all. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, there's been times in my life where I've prayed about certain things or thought that I prayed about things and thought that I was talking to God in prayer. But then after the situation kind of dissolved or worked itself out, the Lord said to me, he says, you know, you never did once pray to me in faith about that. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you prayed and talked to me, but all you did was complain about the situation. You never prayed in faith and was believing in faith that I was going to work on your behalf in this situation. I'm like, you know what, God, you're you're right. Come on. I mean, you, you can think you're talking to God about the situation, thinking, okay, God, I want to move. I want you to move in this, but all you're really do, doing is complaining. Does that make sense? And so, as we're growing and developing, God not only helps us in this area of our own personal life to identify those things, but He also begins to help us identify areas of immaturity or issues in the lives of other people. Not for the sake of being critical, but really to become fruit inspectors. Does that make sense? God wants us to identify the fruit in other people's lives. And again, that's not for the sake of like, yeah, look at you and be able to be critical. 
Because there's five or four fingers pointing back at you as well. You know what I'm saying? But God wants us to be able to identify fruit in other people's lives or maybe those individuals that you have surrounding you in your life and upon judging or inspecting that fruit, you might begin to identify areas of unhealth or falseness in their life that isn't necessarily healthy for you. Does that make sense? Amen. And again, for that matter, let me just put it this way. There were individuals in my life in fact, I remember when I was in my early 20s, there was a, a group of individuals that got together. And this one particular fella just was on fire for God. I mean, he just loved God and this, this was reckless in the way he pursued God. And just his reckless abandonment for God, I mean, it just fired me up. And being around him actually got my life straightened back around. Because I was kind of running down the wrong road, hanging out with the wrong people. And getting around him, he ignited something on the inside of me. And it was that pivotal moment that rearranged my life and got me going in the direction of being in ministry. But now you come back 20-some years later, and I get around that guy. He's not grown spiritually. He's still reckless, but he's just undisciplined about life and just reckless. And therefore, there's no accountability, there's no spiritual accountability, and he's just reckless. Does that make sense? And so where he was strategic in my life years ago, and to where I could go to him and he would be healthy for me, at this point in time, he's not. Because I've outgrown that relationship. Does that make sense? And so therefore, God wants us to be able to inspect individuals' life so that we can begin to grow. And for that matter, there are those in your life that will... Talk the talk of faith, but not live the life of faith. That's right. And how many of you know that if you're not living in faith, you're living in fear? And so once again, you can get around associations. And they can talk in certain ways that it seems as though they're talking in faith. But really what they're doing is just complaining or talking fear about the situation. Does it make sense? And so we want to be able to cultivate relationships that are stretching us, growing us, developing us, and affirming us. And so as we grow in faith, in fact, why don't you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Because this is the identification of what faith looks like. And it's speaking of Abraham. Romans chapter 4. Verse 17, he says this, he says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of him whom believed God who gives life to the the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So this is speaking of Abraham. And the Bible says that God is the God of faith, which calls those things that do not exist as though they did. And the Bible says that Abraham, being like God, incorporated that same philosophy, that same thinking, that lifestyle of faith, and it affected the things that he said as well. Calling those things that be not as though they are. If we're going to grow in this life of faith and mature in faith 
and be used by God in faith, it is going to be a lifestyle beyond what we see. Therefore, we're going to have to call those things that do not exist as though they do. What does that mean? We said this for a long time. I haven't said it in a while. But we used to say this place is front, uh, filled front to back, side to side, and multiple services. Well, you might say, well, that's not a reality right now. Well, are we calling what is as though it is? Or are we calling those things that are not as though they are? Therefore, we engage our faith, right? Well, if you're going through hell and you're going through some situations in your life, And therefore, you need to be in faith concerning healing or provision or whatever it is in your life. You don't need to get people to rally around you to be in the mully grubs with you. I mean, if you have a pity party, you'll get a whole bunch of people to come to the party with you. But you want people that will engage in faith with you so that you can get over the hurdle and get through the thing that you're dealing with, right? Because that is surrounding yourself with maturity. Amen. You know... uh, 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 Pastor Mark Hankins, when his wife uh, had that brain tumor, <clears throat> when she went into the hospital, he put on the put on the wall a sign that says "No." What was it? No doubt allowed. What was it? Something of that nature. He had it right out there on the wall. Do not come in here talking doubt. Don't come in here uh, having pity for her. You talk faith. In fact, he said he had a big husky woman standing out by the door and he says these are the certain people that you let in and you don't let anybody else in here why because he was guarding the atmosphere and the people that he allowed to associate with the environment or the situation he only wanted people that were going to talk faith amen why because we've got to beat this thing and if we get into the mully grub start feeling sorry for ourselves having a pity party well then we'll get beat by the circumstance Amen. Does that make sense? All right. So in regards to this developing and finding those that will have like faith, we once again have to identify where our faith is in those arenas of life. We want to surround ourselves with individuals that are going to encourage our faith and stretch our faith. But how many of you know that faith isn't stupid? And therefore, if you have the wherewithal to identify where your faith is, you've got to use common sense and just common smarts, right? For instance, uh, my wife and I, this was several years ago, there was a fella that uh, we had a relationship with. He and his wife, uh, we went to dinner with them one night and it was kind of a little fancier restaurant. And so the waitress was real nice. and, And so this fella, he said to me, he says, hey, listen. He says, why don't we just do it up real big? And again, now, again, if you're asking my opinion, I think he was trying to show off, you know. But he says, why don't we just do it up real big? He says, I'll give her a $100 tip and you give her a $100 tip. I'm like, really? I'm like, well, I don't feel God's telling me that. Oh, come on, let's just do it. You know, let's just really bless her and let's just really be a good testimony to her. I'm like, "Um, well, you go right ahead. That's not in my heart. I'm not feeling led to do that. And secondly, I don't just have an extra $100 just to throw on a tip there. Well, you know, he kind of did his own thing. But what am I saying? You've got to discern on the inside, where is your faith? Well, my faith wasn't to slap down a $100 ticket or tip. You know what I'm saying? And so there's going to be times where you're going to be challenged. And the enemy will try to get you to be in a position of stupidity or making stupid decisions. But discernment has to be able to determine whether I'm in faith or whether I'm in fear, whether I'm in doubt, or am I just in 
being presumptuous. Does that make sense? Being presumptuous means that you can call it faith, but you're just being ignorant about the situation. Right? I mean, that's like going downtown Flint in the middle of the night and saying, oh, I've got angels, you know, surrounding me. I'm just, I'm protected. Well, listen, you do have angels protecting you, but be led. If God didn't tell you to go downtown Flint in the middle of the night, then don't be stupid. Right? Well, I got angels protecting me. Oh, you got angels protecting you? Sure. But God can't override stupidity. He can't override your decision. And so again, we've got a purpose to use faith in the proper perspective. And then once again, we've got to be able to discern whether or not we're in faith or whether we're in fear. Do you know what I mean by that? Because there's times where when it, when it feels like faith, but if you really get to the heart of the matter, you'll find that there might be f- fear that is driving the situation more so than fear. Or we could say it this way as well. There's faith in specific areas, but fears or doubt in other areas. For example, my grandfather, when he went into the hospital, this was several years back, he had gotten gangrene in his in his foot, and it was looking bad. And so I went up to the hospital, just I wanted to be able to minister to him if I could. And he was a man of faith. He believed God, that he was a healing God. And so... I just wanted to go to find out where grandpa was. And you can identify or locate people's faith. Just like you can identify or locate your own. And so as I was talking to him, I thought, well, you know, I came up here for a reason. So let's just get down to business. I said, hey, gramps, I said, do you believe that God is a healing God? Oh, yeah, praise the Lord. I believe that he is. I said, well, do you believe that God wants to heal you? Oh, yeah, I believe that that he wants to heal me. I said, do you believe that he, he, he desires to heal you? Oh, yeah, I believe that he desires to heal me. And I says, well, do you believe right now when I pray that God will heal you? And he got quiet. And then he said, that's where I struggle. And so you can identify people's faith. Because there was faith up to a point, but then faith crossed over into fear or not so sure faith. Hebrews eleven six says, For without faith it's impossible to please God, for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So Grandpa was saying, I believe that he is. I believe that he's a healer. I believe that he's a good God. But then when he came to the place of believing that God was a rewarder, oh, I'm not sure if God's going to reward me right now. Amen. So if we identify ourselves, then that's the area that we go to work and begin to mature or develop. If you're trying to disciple or help somebody, well, there's the area that you can begin to help them. Amen. Because once again, God has commissioned you to do work that's going to edify or build the body of Christ. Spiritually, numerically, financially. Well, how many of you know that you can only increase the church numerically if they're healthy and whole? But if you've got a bunch of dying and defeated people and they're just killing over like flies, well, you're, you're not going forward, you're going backwards. So we've got to be able to learn how to help get people healed, right? To trust God and stand on the Word. So then, therefore, it's important for us as maturing individuals to learn how to identify somebody's faith. Amen. So turn over in your Bibles, if you will, to John, John chapter 6. John chapter 6, because in this area of growing and maturing, it's not just a matter of formality 
or tradition. Because you can do things out of religious activity or tradition, but it doesn't mean that there's maturity attached to it. So in John chapter 6, verse 49, he says, your fathers, this is Jesus speaking, he says, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If you eat of this bread, he will he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give, let me get the lights glaring. Says he will live live forever. And the bread that I shall give him is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So notice what he said. He said, "Now your forefathers, they ate the manna. It was this natural. They partook of it. It was supernatural, but it was natural." But they died. He says, but there is a spiritual application of not just going through the motions. He says, I am that manna that came down from heaven. I am that living bread. If you'll learn how to grow in me and have a relationship with me, you'll live and not die. You'll produce life and not death. Why? Because it's not a matter of formality. It's not just a matter of routine and tradition. It's coming into a real life relationship with God where it produces life not only for ourselves, but for those that we're involved with, that we have a relationship with, right? Because once again, I'm not just preaching a message, praise the Lord, who wants to receive Christ? Well, I want you to receive Christ. I want you to go to heaven. But I don't want you to receive eternal life, but still live like a dead person on this earth. I want you to experience the fullness of it. Right? So we've got to be able to extend that life to those that we have the ability to influence. Because we're maturing and growing. Praise God. Amen? Amen. All right. So, concerning just growing up spiritually... God wants us to begin to not only help others, but come to a place where we're developing ourselves. And this is one of those areas, again, we're switching gears somewhat. But it is a major pivotal point for us to grow spiritually, but also to be able to sustain this life as we continue to grow and help others. If you recall, we are spirit, soul, and body. But how many of you know that the enemy wants to get into the solical area of your life? Your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? He wants to get into your thought life. He wants to stir up your emotions. And if he can get your thoughts and your emotions going a negative direction, it's opposing or polar opposite of faith, right? And so God wants us to learn how we can begin to identify or to uh, conquer our emotions, if you will. And so I'm going to talk about one particular area, but this would be applicable for every area for that matter. But in Proverbs chapter 14, he says this. He says, be angry and sin not. But he also says this. He says, the individual that gives himself to great wrath or to anger or the spirit of anger, if you will, is stupid. I find that really interesting. He says the person that gives place to his emotions really displays stupidity. What does that mean? You have a choice in the matter, 
Right? In fact, the Bible says this. Be angry and sin not. So therefore, I can have emotions about a particular thing, conversation, relationship, but I don't have to let it govern me or take me to a place of getting into error. If I let it get into a place of error, it affects my faith walk. It affects my walk with God, right? All right, so let's look at a couple of those things, if you will. You know, you'll... you'll <laughs> have you ever heard somebody say this before? You know, don't make me mad. You, do, you don't want to make me mad. You won't like it when I get mad, right? Well, what are they saying? They're saying, listen, don't, don't push me to the point beyond of no control. Because when I get to that place, it gets ugly. What are you saying? Well, you push me to a point, I'm not in control anymore. Right? Or, if you, you know, maybe you've said it before, saying, you know, uh, when I get so angry, I just can't control myself. Well, what are you saying? You don't want to. You make choices. So, in other words, the way that you think, the way that you talk, it's all a choice. Right? But you give place to that. It opens up the door for the enemy and you start losing ground in your faith walk because you give place to the enemy. In fact, just with that being said, I've been talking to the Lord about this and the Lord just answered this question for me yesterday. And uh, maybe it's just me because being a pastor, I'm an observer of people. Anybody else like watching people? You know, it's kind of how they act, how they carry themselves. Have you ever known those people? And like, say, for instance, maybe you went back to high school. And if you think of particular people, they might be a certain way in high school. Maybe they were real happy, real smiley, just full of life. And then you come in contact with them several years later. And when you run into them, you're like, wow, life has been hard on you. Maybe they're bitter, angry, just unhappy. Maybe they just, they just seem dark and heavy in the way that they talk. They're just not the person that, that you used to know, right? In fact, I was talking with Pastor Jerry um, a few weeks ago when I was down teaching school. He was talking about a family reunion that he had. and Not a family reunion, a class reunion. And they hosted it at his school, or at his church rather. The school high school reunion was hosted at his church. And he said he found out that his old high school flame was going to be there. And he said, so I was kind of excited, not for the sake of being excited about her, but just, you know, it's been so long. I just kind of wanted to see how she turned out, how life had treated her. And he said, I saw her. And he said, I was real, you know, cordial and really excited to to see her and say hi. He's like, hey, how are you? She's like, hi. And he said, that was not her. And he said, she had really turned into a different person through all the years of stuff. Come on, do you know what I mean when I say that? Maybe you're that person thinking, I'm not the person that I used to be. Life has changed me. Or maybe you know those people. And I was talking to the Lord about it because I'm like, God, why does that happen? I realize it's life where it has the way of shaping people. But here's what the Lord said to me. He says, it's because people have given themselves over to spirits or spiritual influence. And you may say, well, that's getting kind of spooky. Well, let me give you an example. 
This was several years back when my, my wife and I, we were renovating our house. Uh, we were associate pastors. I was working at GM. She was working at Anderson. And we were renovating a house. So we were like burning 100 hours a week just trying to make ends meet. So this particular night I came home and I'm looking for my hammer. I'm like, I need to do some work and I can't find my ha- hammer. And sure enough, you know, you would think that, you know, she moved it. Like, what'd you do with my hammer? Like, I don't know what you did with your hammer. I didn't do nothing with it. You, you lost it. And so I went out in the garage and I'm looking for the hammer and I can feel the rage starting to build up on the inside. And I'm just furious. Like, where is my hammer? And I mean, I can feel, I mean, I am so indignant in the garage that I wanted to hit something, break something, punch something. And the only reason I didn't was because I'd have to fix it. All the work that I've been doing, I'd have to do the repairs. And so I didn't give in to that. But I mean, it was there. You know what I mean? Well, I finally found my hammer and did whatever I needed to do. But after that, I noticed that my temper was just so short fused. My wife's probably saying, nothing's changed. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but my, 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 my temper was, I mean, I say short fused. I had no fuse at all. It didn't take nothing. And I mean, I would be in a full blown rage. Not necessarily outwardly, but I mean, I could feel it on the inside just percolating. And this went on for some time. And then one day, he, she and I was going to church. And again, this was before kids. We're driving down the road, and she said something. And it was probably just something very innocent. But whatever she said, I mean, it lit me up on the inside. And I mean, I am screaming. I can feel the blood pressure. I can feel like, ah, like every vein in my head popping out. You know, I'm like, I am raging. And then finally, I'm like, I'm talking, you know, to the Lord internally. I'm like, God, what is going on? Because I am just lit up here. And God says, now again, several weeks later. And God says, you remember the hammer incident? Like, yep. He says, you gave place to that spirit of anger or rage. And because you entertained it long enough, you've just found it real easy just to yield to it time in and time again. And every time you yield to it, you just give place to it time and time again. I'm like, whoa. So I had to repent real quick. Well, so what do people do? People that you know that are in church, people that you think, well, dear God, they're Christians. How come they're so unhappy? It's because they've given place to spiritual influences. The spirit of bitterness, the spirit of hatred, the spirit of, uh, of envy, of jealousy. Come on, are you here tonight? People that are addicted, why are they addicted? Because they've given place to addiction in their life. And that little spiritual entity just keeps you under their thumb. Come on, let me just paint another picture for you. Now again, this uh, hopefully you, you hear my heart. But for instance, the Bible says that the works of the flesh, one of them is the lust, lust of the eye. Well, the enemy knows that men are prone to lust. So let's just say, for instance, a man's at home by himself, and all of a sudden he starts having these thoughts of pornography. Well, where did the thought come from? Well, it didn't come from God. Where'd it come from? Well, you just had a visitor come in and say, hey, you're all alone. Why don't you just go look at something? And then you start entertaining the thought a little bit, and here comes another one. And now all of a sudden, you've got a room full of demonic activity that is trying to influence you spiritually, naturally speaking, and therefore you give place to it, 
and you go to your computer or whatever it is and you start looking at the pornography. You've got a room full of demonic activity that is having a heyday, high-fiving, shouting like, Woo, we got him. But it's unseen. Are you tracking with me? You might think, well, I just gave in to temptation. No, there's a whole bunch of visitors that came in and tried to influence you and, and push the right buttons. And it doesn't matter what it is. It can be anything that wants to separate you from the will of God. That's leading you in a different direction. Come on, think about something that you have been influenced by or hurt by. Come on, that thing that's hurt you, does it take much to get those feelings erupted back up on the inside? Do you start feeling the feelings and start thinking of the scenario? Well, if you can just begin to feel those emotions just because you started thinking about it, then the enemy knows exactly what buttons to push. And he'll keep you in that cycle unless you purpose to say, oh no, oh no, I'm purposing right now to resist. And the Bible says if you resist the devil, the Bible says that he actually runs as in terror. He's wanting to terrorize you, but when you take your stand as a believer, say, no, I'm not going to look at that, I'm not going to entertain that, I'm not going to say that, I'm not going to think that, I'm not going to say that to that person. Amen. What do you do? You shut them down. Come on, husbands and wives, moms and dads. Have you ever been in that place where you're, you're, you're in an argument and you're dissed, I mean, something stern on the inside, and then the thought comes, well, if I just said that, that would shut it down right now. And so basically, it's that statement that's crossed the line. Well, if I say that, it's going to shut it up, stop it right now. Because it's a low blow, it's a dagger to the heart. Now you've got a choice to make. And how many times have we made the decision to yield, yield our tongue, and step across the line and say it. And once you've said it, you can't take it back. The hurt, the pain, the distrust... Just because you chose to give place and yield. Not yield to your emotions. That's part of it. But the enemy is just sitting there. Come on. Come on. Come on. I just double dog dare you. And he starts working up on the emotions. Again, what's the Bible say? The man or the woman that gives in to anger is stupid. Why? Because you're giving place to the enemy just to pull your strings like a puppet. And God says, listen, as you begin to mature and grow, you start to guard thoughts, you start to guard words, you start to guard your emotions. Amen? My wife, she showed me this the other day. It was a comical thing on Facebook. It was, it was uh, the proper greeting of a married man. And it was a woman, she came up to the man, and she starts to walk up to him like, oh, with arms wide open, and the man goes, slap, smacks right in the head. Extends the hand. <laughs> She goes, this is hilarious. She's cracking up. But what does that mean? It means you set boundaries. Right? Come on, I'll be the first to tell you. As a pastor, the enemy knows what he wants to do and tries to do. In fact, my wife, you know, 
I learned this from Pastor Hagen. Come on up here, baby. I'll show you. Pastor Hagen, he said this before. He said, you know, there are women that will try to stir stuff up. And he says, if I know that there's a woman that's acting a certain way, he said, I'll just get my wife like this and I'll stand right behind her. And we'll have a conversation like this. What's he doing? I'm giving place to my wife. I'm making a statement. I'm making a stance. It's subtle. But I'm, I'm not giving place to the enemy. I'm arresting it right now. Does that make sense? Hey, thank you. It's a great, great help. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. So, what, what's that? She is. She's awesome. Well, you know, sometimes you just got to put it on. So, thank you, dear. Amen. So, what am I saying? As we grow spiritually, we learn how to govern those areas of our life. Why? Because your testimony is all that you have. Your word is all that you have. Amen. Isn't it interesting? Again, I'll I'll close with this. Concerning our elected officials or ones that are running for president right now. I heard uh, Michael Moore. Anybody know who Michael Moore is? He was talking about one of the candidates. And he was talking about how... Well, I'll just keep it general. How they are a Christian. And how they practice their Christianity in their own unique way. Okay, if you're going to practice your Christianity, your Christianity ought to be seen. And there's only one way to practice your Christianity if you're truly a Christian. Right? And so once again, you can tell me all day long, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, praise the Lord. It's like, yeah, sure. Well, maybe you just got saved yesterday and you're still acting like a heathen. I don't know, but, right? Does that make sense? So your testimony is all that you have. As you, particular, as you are intending on growing and maturing spiritually, God says you've got a purpose. And your purpose, the work in which he is causing you to mature into, is so that you can influence and affect people. Amen. And the greatest expression of our maturity is to walk in love. Simply loving people. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity tonight. That we're growing spiritually. That we are choosing wisely. That we are moving closer to you. That we're being people of... People of prayer, people of the word, people that live by faith. And so we thank you, Lord, that you're helping us begin to discern things, grow in some areas of knowing when to say yes, when to say no, how to discern fear and faith, and God, how to be led by our faith rather than our emotions. So we thank you for it now. And God, just as we close, I just want to pray for our election. That God, everyone in this church and this nation would not vote by their emotions, but would vote according to their beliefs and their faith. And that God, that that would be what governs them and leads them in their choice. So God, we pray for this election We pray that your will be done. We pray that the right person is in place.
that would strategically set up the things that need to be set up in the days ahead. God, we thank you. And God, more than anything, we thank you that you're still on the throne. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All righty. Subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.